Well, good morning, Center Church. It is so, so good to be worshiping with you all this morning. Um, I would just like to start by welcoming you, whether you're here with us in person or joining us online. Uh, just thank you for being here. And if this is your first time here or your first couple of times here, um, again, just welcome and thank you. And as John mentioned, my name is Danny Tanner, and I know what you're all thinking, like full house, right? <laughs> and I get full house references at least twice a week. So thank you, mom and dad, for that. <laughs> Um, but yes, I am the kids director here at Center Church, which is so much fun. I have so much fun with all of your kids, and I will say this any chance that I get, but you truly do have the best kids most of the time. Um, no, just kidding, all of the time. I love them all so much. But the last few months, John has been kind of subtly hinting at me preaching and speaking more, um, just kind of making some jokes about it, uh, which is funny. I laughed it off until it became a reality. Um, but he asked me if I'd be willing to preach this Sunday, and I prayed about it and thought about it and decided why not. And as some of you may know or may not know, um, I am currently going to my senior year at Grace Christian University, um, which has been a blast. Um, and I'm studying elementary education. So at this time, a year from now, I will be planning and preparing for my very first year as an elementary school teacher, which is terrifying, but I'm so excited. Um, and with that being said, you may think that I'm super comfortable teaching people and speaking in front of people, which is true um, in a room full of eight-year-olds. But in this setting, uh, I am way out of my comfort zone. But I believe that the Lord moves through us best when we step out of our comfort zone. Um, so today we are going to be continuing on in our Summer in the Psalms series, which has been so good so far. Uh, but today specifically, we're going to dive in to Psalm chapter 44. So if you have your physical Bibles here or a device, I'd love to encourage you to look up Psalm chapter 44 and free to look up Psalm 44, like I said, whether it's in a physical Bible or on a device. And while you do that, I'm going to jump into a quick story um, to give you time to look that up. But I am from a super small town called Holton, Michigan. And Holton is a little over an hour north of here, um, so not too far. Uh, but I graduated from Holton High School in the fall, or no, the spring of 2018. Um, and then I moved on campus to Grace, and when I first got to Grace, I was having so much fun. I loved college, and it was amazing, but disclaimer, I don't know if you know this, but college is expensive, and it turned out to be a lot more expensive than I first imagined, um, and so with that being said, I came to the realization that I was going to need a job if I wanted to continue to go to college, and my mom may have also mentioned this once or twice. Um, so that being said, I started my search for a job. And my search for a job uh, was a process. My freshman year, I was taking 18 credits and playing college volleyball, which took up a lot of my time traveling every weekend. And I also lived in a dorm room with three other girls. So I spent a lot of time with them, um, studying, of course. Uh, but that being said, I needed a job that provided flexible hours, because my schedule is crazy. So I looked around, did some research. I wasn't really coming up with anything. 
but then a friend of mine at the time uh, informed me that she worked for an in-home healthcare company that served elderly clients. And this was not an area that I was looking to get experience in, but they provided two to three hour shift times. So that would literally work out perfect for my schedule. So with that being said, I applied and I interviewed and by the grace of God, I got the job. <laughs> so I had orientation at this, for this company and they matched me up with this client who they thought I'd be compatible with. And so I like, got signed up and ready to go and on my first day of work, I remember just getting in my car, driving to my client's house and I was nervous, I was super nervous because I love to be comfortable and I like to know what to expect going into situations. And in this uh, situation in particular, I had no idea what to expect. I had never taken care of an elderly client and so her life was literally in my hands and that made me nervous. So I was thinking about how can I control this situation, which is not the healthiest mindset. I was like, how can I be the most comfortable going into this? And the one thing that I thought that I could control was the conversation. So I started preparing and rehearsing what I was gonna say as I met this woman in my head as I was driving to her house. And I just had this whole script prepared of how I was gonna present myself. And I started thinking of questions that I could ask this lady like, have you always lived here? Or what job did you do growing up? Or one that has turned out to be a classic, tell me about your grandchildren. That <laughs> will buy you some time. Um, but I was walking up to this lady's house, again, so nervous, reciting in my mind what I was going to say. And as I knocked on the door, I was a little bit freaking out, but I heard like the classic click of a walker coming. And as the walker got closer, I was getting more nervous. But the lady opened the door, and when she did, she was this cutest old woman. And she said, oh, you must be Danny. I said, yeah, like I'm Danny. And as I was beginning to recite my whole script to her, um, she was just making direct eye contact with me. And it kind of like threw me off, but she was just looking me right in the eyes. And she said, Danny, do you know Jesus? And in that moment, I was so thrown off because first, that was not on the script. Like I did not <laughs> prepare to answer that question. And second, I was just so thrown off by her boldness and her obedience. Like I just met this woman and all she cared about, all she wanted to know is if I knew Jesus. And the kind of faith and the kind of boldness that my client had to ask me that question right away is exactly the kind of faith that we see the psalmist write about in Psalm 44. So we're going to dive in and look at this text. So I'd invite you to open it up quick. So I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 8 to begin with, and I'd encourage you to follow along. So in verse 1, it says, Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. 
For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Now, there's so much complexity and so much depth that we see in this passage, but in every line, we also see so much hope and so much life. And as Christians, we know that sharing our faith is important, right? We know that's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do. But in this passage, it just brings a whole new beauty to that meaning as we see faith being passed down from generation to generation, from parents to their kids, just instilling in them stories of what God has done for them. And at the beginning of this psalm, we see that in verses 1 through 3, the psalmist is remembering the stories that he has heard about God. He remembers the trials that God has walked with Israel through and the battles that he has won for Israel. So now we're just going to dive into this passage a little further. So looking back at verse 1, the psalmist says, We have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days. See, the fathers of the psalmist here had witnessed God in so many incredible ways. God has really shown himself to them. And it is so evident in this passage that all these people want, all of these fathers want, they just want their kids to know the same God. They desperately want their kids to have the same hope that they have. And with that being said, they didn't write down in a letter all of the ways that God has carried them through things, or they didn't just assume that their children would know that the Lord was good just on the way that they lived their lives. But instead, they intentionally sat down and took the time to have conversations with their children and to instill in their children just the facts of what God has done, providing them with hope. One thing I love about this passage is that the fathers not only instill in their kids their personal faith story, but also the faith stories of their ancestors, their fathers, but also their fathers and their fathers. Faith is just being passed down in such an incredible way. It may just be me, I don't sense the same urgency in the church today. We have lost an urgency to make sure that our kids and our parents and our grandparents and our friends know what God has done for us. And we've lost an urgency to instill the same hope that we have into our families. So as we dive back into the text, looking back at verse 2, we read, You with your own hand drove out the nations but them you planted. You afflicted the people, but them you set free. And moving to verse 3, For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. What the psalmist is speaking about here is the specific time when God drove out the Canaanites and planted the people of Israel in the land that he had promised for them. And that in itself is such a cool story to share. That is a story of victory and of redemption. But as I dove deeper into that meaning, I'm sure the fathers were kind of boasting about God, like, look what God did for us. But between each line, there's such a more powerful message and a deeper message. One that says, we serve a God who will personally fight for you. And we serve a God who will show up and intervene on your behalf. And we serve a God 
who is true to his word. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, you know that there were times when Israel fought, and times when Israel fought hard. But there were other times when Israel did nothing. The constant that we see in both of these circumstances, though, is the fact that whether, whether Israel is fighting or if they weren't fighting, the Lord was working. The Lord is working on their behalf and preparing a way for them. And just as much as the Lord was involved in their situation, involved in their circumstances, he is just as present right now, today. The fact that God is for us and the fact that he's working for our good, these are truths that transcend time. And just as the psalmist fathers instilled this message in the psalmist and instilled this message of hope in him, it is our job right now to continue instilling that in the generations that come after us. One thing that really breaks my heart today is seeing how easy it is for my generation to step away from the church. It is so easy for them to find other places to put their worth and other places to put their identity. But why is this? Why is it so easy for them to back away from such a miraculous and loving and forgiving God? I don't have all of the answers, but I do believe that if my generation hears what the Lord is doing today, and if they heard what God has done in each of your lives, if they heard about the love that you've experienced and the life change that you've experienced, I believe it would be a heck of a lot harder for them to walk away. As we look back at verses 4 and 5, we see that the psalmist shifts into more of a prayer mindset. And as he begins to pray, he says, or his meaning that in, he wants the Lord to show up today in the same way that the Lord showed up for his fathers. See, he's longing here for more of a purpose. He's heard all of these stories about what God can do and how God has moved, and how he has hope in that, and he believes in that, and he wants that for himself. What I think is so powerful about that is that he doesn't believe and he doesn't long for that to happen because it's already happened to him. The Lord was moving in his life, but he believes and he longs for that because he's just heard stories about it. That goes to speak of how powerful our words are and how powerful our testimony are. And in verses 6 and 7, we just see this great act of humility. The psalmist here is acknowledging that he cannot save himself, but only the Lord can. He knows this because those who shared their faith stories with him were vulnerable. They took the time to say, like, we couldn't do it. We were weak and we needed a God to fight for us. They said that they couldn't trust in their own swords, but in the word of God alone. The psalmist kind of echoes this, as we see here, by he's saying now, I cannot trust in my bow, but only in the strength of God. He's learning how to be obedient and how to be faithful based on what he's heard. And it made him long to see and experience the Lord, just as his fathers did. The psalmist ends this first section by saying, In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Now this statement is saying that he's bringing praise to God right now for what he has done. He's heard stories about how the Lord has moved, and he is so thankful for the way that God has showed up. But it's also saying, we'll give thanks 
to your name forever because he knows that the Lord will show up and he knows that God is working for the future. So he's giving praise now, but also anticipating and expecting the Lord to continue to do good things. Now, if you're like me, you maybe skimmed ahead a little and read for because I love just to read more into stories and get context on what it's saying. And if you have, then you have seen that this second half of this psalm looks a whole lot more like reality than the first half. See, in the second half, well, in the first half, let's start there. We've just heard the story of how faith is being passed down from generation to generation, and everything's good, and this family line is so full of hope and full of life. But in the second half, life gets tough for the psalmist, and life gets real for the psalmist. He talks about feeling so alone and not feeling like the Lord is working for him. And he's praying and praying, but he's in the season of waiting. He doesn't feel the Lord working to answer those prayers. He goes into a really, really dark place where he doesn't feel like he can hear from God. What do we do when we feel like we can't hear or feel the Lord? What do we do when we hear about a God who performs these great works in our families and friends' lives, but we don't feel him working in our own? Well, let me ask you this. What would you do if you never heard about this God in the first place? See, as the psalmist is in this season of feeling alone, in this season of waiting, he's desperate. He's desperate for the Lord to come. But the only reason that he can get up every day and keep moving forward, the only reason that he continues to have faith that the Lord will show up is because he has hope. And he has that hope from the words of his father's testimony. We know that God is good all of the time, right? Not only when we can feel him, not only when we get that promotion that we've been striving for, or when our team wins the championship game, or not only when we finally get a church building after 15 years, am I right? We know that God is good all of the time. Even all of those years, it was like 13 years of setting up chairs and setting up church, um, God was still working in this place and in our church family. Can I show you guys something ridiculous this morning? Bear with me as I show you this image. I swear I'm going somewhere with it. Okay. SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants is ridiculous. He's a sponge who wears pants and lives in a pineapple under the sea. His best friend is a starfish. Like, everything about SpongeBob is ridiculous. Now, don't get me wrong. My brother and I watched our fair share of SpongeBob growing up. We loved him. But as I was laying in bed one night, I was just thinking about the church today and thinking about what the church is forming us to be and who we present ourselves to be as Christians. And I could not think of a better analogy than SpongeBob SquarePants. Um... <laughs> See, modern Christian culture is forming us. A lot of this is subconscious, but it's forming us to be these happy-go-lucky sponges. Hear me out. We often walk into this place tired, whether we just had a long work week or whether we barely are surviving staying at home with our kids for the summer um, or whether we're tired from living up to expectations that our friends place on us, our parents place on us, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend, your spouse. We're just so tired as we come into this place 
every week. But then we get here and we see our friends, we get some good coffee, shout out full circle. This is not a paid advertisement, it's just good coffee. Um, but then we worship and we hear this message about a God who knows us and a God who loves us and we soak it in. We hear this message that we belong and that we have a purpose and that we're known and loved and we soak it in and it feels good. It feels good to be known and to be loved by God, right? But then every Sunday we walk out of those doors and we walk right back into a culture of toleration. A culture that says, I'm gonna believe whatever I want to believe. You guys can believe whatever you want to believe and whoever else is out there can believe whatever crazy things they come up with to believe. And our job in this society is to coexist, right? Our job is to be firm in our beliefs, but to stay in our lane, to not mess with other people's beliefs. But friends, that is not the church and that is not the gospel. That is not the kind of love that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. See, we are not meant to be these sponges, these sponges that simply soak up the gospel and soak up the love of Jesus Christ for ourselves. Being these happy-go-lucky sponges like SpongeBob SquarePants, it feels good. And it feels good to know the love of Jesus and just keep that to ourselves, but that is not what we are called to do. I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and they asked me what I was personally doing to share my faith. I got super excited to answer this question. I started talking about Center Kids and how we have so many new families showing up and so many kids getting plugged in, and it feels good. And then I started talking about Center Moms and how we started this moms group, and we're building community together, and we're using it as an outreach platform to reach moms in this community, and it feels good. But rightfully so, my friend stopped and said, those are great. What are you doing to personally share your faith? Outside of Sunday morning, outside of your job, what are you doing to share your faith? And in full transparency, my answer was, I don't know. Outside of church, outside of my job, I don't know. And with that being said, I could have stood up here this morning and preached this whole message for myself and it would have been worth it. Because I am the first person that needs to hear every word that I've spoken this morning. But I don't believe that I'm the only person that needs this reminder today. So as we wrap up today, I have two questions for you. Um, if you are a note taker, feel free to take a pen out and jot these down. Uh, but if not, just take some time to think about them. The first is this. Who in your life needs to hear your faith story? Who in your life needs to hear your faith story? Maybe, maybe you've never sat down and told your kids how you met Jesus. Maybe you've never sat down with your kids and told them about what Jesus has walked you through and the ways that you feel him working in your life today. Or maybe you've worked in the same cubicle as another guy for years and he has no idea how Jesus has transformed your heart. Maybe you and your spouse have just started, started coming to church, but you've never truly sat down and had a conversation about where you're at with Jesus. What does your relationship with Jesus look like? And if you don't remember anything else 
that I say this morning. If you're still stuck on the fact that my name's Danny Tanner, it's really funny, I know. Um, but take some time and hear me out. This is what I want you to hear today. Telling others about what Jesus has done for you extends hope. But not telling others about what Jesus has done for you withholds hope. So with that, the second question that I'd encourage you to write down or think about is what is holding you back from telling others about Jesus? What is holding you back from telling others about Jesus? Maybe you're new to faith yourself. You're still trying to figure it out and you're not sure if you have all of the answers. Or maybe the exact opposite. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole entire life. You've grown up in the church. You hang out with Christian friends. You have a Bible verse in your Instagram bio. And you just think that that speaks for itself. You don't have to tell people. The way you live your life says it for you. Or maybe if you're like me, it comes down to insecurity. The fear of rejection is real. And the fear of being looked at differently is real. And it's scary. But as I reflect on the story that I told you at the very beginning of this message, as I reflect on the conversation that I had with my client, I just think of how fun and how easy that conversation was. It was so much fun to sit down and share my faith with this woman and tell her about how Jesus has impacted me personally. But it's more inspiring to me than that is the fact that she had no idea how I was going to respond when she asked me if I knew Jesus. She had no idea if that was going to be an easy conversation or a fun conversation. She had no idea what to expect, but she still asked a question. She still cared about me enough to make sure that my soul was in the right place. With that being said, I would like to warn you and encourage you that sharing your faith is not always going to be easy. And more times than not, it will end in rejection. And that is a scary thing to think about. But as Christians, I want you to take heart in the fact that we have the biggest safety net of all time. We have a Father who loves us more than anything. And we have a God who goes before us and promises us that we're going to be okay. What I will tell you this morning is this. And I would think that the same is true for many of you here today. But I know for a fact that I would not be here today and I would not be who I am today if somebody did not take the time to share their faith with me. When I was in the sixth grade, I uh, was just living life and my brother's best friend had invited him to go to our local youth group. And he was all game, like more time hanging out with his best friend. He was like, sure. So he started going and he absolutely loved it. He fell in love with youth group and with the community and ultimately with Jesus Christ. And then he came home and he started telling me all about how much fun they were having and he invited me to go with him. And at first I was pretty hesitant, but then he mentioned that there were snacks and I reconsidered. And so with that being said, I started going to youth group with my brother. And it was at that youth group, it was with those people, those leaders who were telling me their faith stories. It was through how I saw that they were living their lives that I met Jesus Christ. 
And that would not have happened. I would not be standing here changed and transformed. And knowing how loved I am and being confident in who the Lord has called me to be if those conversations did not happen, if I was not invited to step into that church family. So who in your life needs to hear your faith story? And what is holding you back from telling them? I'd love it if you would pray with me this morning. Jesus, we are so, so thankful for you and who you are. We are so thankful for the ways that you're showing up in our lives. When we feel it and when we don't feel it, Lord, thank you for having or letting us have hope in the fact that we know that you're there. And God, I pray for everyone here this morning, and I pray that we'll just get to know you in a deeper way. And throughout this week, Lord, just set up divine appointments where you'll give us opportunities to have conversations and to share hope. And when those opportunities come, Jesus, I just pray for obedience. I pray for confidence. And I pray that you will give us the words to say. Help us to step out in faith, Lord. We love you so much, God. And we are so, so thankful that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have a relationship with you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.